Wonderful. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter number 48. And we're going through the book of Isaiah, 66 chapters, and we'll be through with that after a while as God blesses us. And I hope that you have been blessed. And as you look back through the book of Isaiah, of course, there's no end to great truths throughout the word of God. And what a blessing uh, this great book is as we look at what God's done in Israel and I want to read this chapter, so if you'll follow with me as I read, I'll read the chapter, and then I'll share some things with you from the Word of God this morning. If you will listen, I want to remind you of what's going on. Uh, God has made a promise to Israel that He's going to deliver them, and uh, that promise is coming to pass. And so uh, here is uh, kind of uh, our Lord talking with Israel in that regard, and you'll understand a little bit of the conversation as I go through. Listen to what He says. Hear ye this, O house of Jacob, which are called by the name of the Lord, excuse me, by the name of Israel, and are come forth out of the water of Judah, which swear by the name of the Lord and make mention of God's, God of Israel, but not in truth nor in righteousness. For they call themselves of the holy city and stay themselves upon the God of Israel. The Lord of hosts is his name. I have declared the former things from the beginning, and they went forth out of my mouth. I showed them, I did them suddenly, and they came to pass. Because I knew that thou art obstinate, and thy neck is an iron sinew, and thy brow brass. I have even from the beginning declared it unto thee before it came to pass. I showed it to thee, lest thou shouldest say, Mine idol hath got, had done them, and my graven images, my molten images have commanded them. Thou hast heard, see all of this, and will not ye declare it? I have showed thee new things from this time, even hidden things. Thou didst not know them. They are created now and not from the beginning, even before the day when thou heardest them not, lest thou shouldest say, Behold, I knew them. Yea, thou hearest not, yea, thou knewest not, yea, from that time that thine ear was not opened, for I knew that thou wouldest deal very treacherously and was called a transgressor from the womb. For my, for my name's sake will I defer my anger, and for my praise will I refrain from, for thee. I will cut thee not off. Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. For mine own sake, even for mine own sake, will I do it. For how would my name be polluted, and I will not give my glory to another. Hearken unto me, O Jacob and Israel, my called. I am he, I am the first, I also am the last. Mine hand also hath laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand has spanned the heavens. When I call unto them, they stand up together. All ye assemble yourselves and hear, which among them hath declared these things. The Lord hath loved him. He will do his pleasure on Babylon, and his arms shall be on the Chaldeans. I, even I, have spoken. Yea, I have called him. I have brought him. I have made his way prosperous. Come ye near unto me, hear this, I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. From the time that I was, there am I. And now the Lord God and the, his spirit have sent me. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. 
for thou, that thou hast hearkened unto me. Oh, that thou hast hearkened unto my commandments. Then had thy peace been like a river, and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. Thy seed also hath been as the sand, and the offspring of the boughs like the gravel thereof. His name should not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. Go ye before to, uh, forth to Babylon, flee ye from the Chaldeans with a voice of singing, declare it, tell this, utter it even in the end of the earth. Say ye, the Lord hath redeemed his servant Israel. And they thirsted not when he led them through the desert. He caused the water to flow out of the rock for them. He clave the rock also and the waters gushed out. And then this last statement, there is no peace saith the Lord unto the wicked. Will you bow with me for prayer? Father, once again, I come to you with grateful hearts and thanking you, God, for what you've already done today. And God, I pray you'd speak to my heart. God, I ask for your anointing. God, I bow before you and confess that there's no good thing in me and apart from the work of the Holy Spirit of God, nothing of eternal consequence to take place today. God, give me your anointing. Fill me with the power of God. In these few moments, speak to your people and to those who may not know Christ. And I'll thank you and praise you and give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Several years ago when I was pastoring in Valdosta, Georgia, we were having a revival meeting or at least a meeting. I really don't know if it was a revival or not. Had somebody else preaching in the pulpit. We'd been praying for revival. And I had an earnest desire as I do today for revival, for God to move among our church and in our nation. And uh, as I was praying, I've shared this with you and maybe you've heard me say it before. But the Holy Spirit of God spoke to my heart and he said, would you be willing for me to send revival if nobody knew you had anything to do with it. And I thought for a few minutes and I believe God gave me grace. And I said, Lord, I'd be willing to see revival if nobody knew I had anything at all to do with it. And then the spirit of God spoke to my heart and he said, would you be willing to see revival if you didn't have anything to do with it? And I said, yes. And truth of the matter is when it's all said and done, God's the one who's in control. And that, that what happened to me there, I was reminded of when I began to read this story and what's going on here. God's talking to Israel. Now, keep in mind, he's, he's allowed them and sent the Assyrians to take the, southern, uh, the northern kingdom in captivity. The Babylon, Babylonians have come and they've taken the northern kingdom. They're all in captivity. They've made a promise. I'm going to raise up Cyrus. I'm going to bring you back. Now, he's looking prophetically at what's going to happen. What's going to happen is this. When they get ready to come back and they get out of the hands of the Persians, they're going to say, whoopee, boy, we got the victory. We won. We, we have finally got free of them. We, we're on our way back, and thank God for that. And they're going to take the credit for it. And it's always a danger that when God does something that you and I take credit for it. And, and if we're not careful, we'll do that. I want you to look in, in this passage of Scripture. And notice, first of all, how they see themselves. Notice how they see themselves in this passage of Scripture. And will you look at it, please, at verse number one? Hear ye this, O house of Jacob, which are called by the name of Israel. Boy, they've got a name. They've got a name. I reminded that church in the book of Revelation where it says you have a name that you're living, but you're really dead. And boy, they got, they're carrying the name. They're carrying the name Israel. They're carrying the name Christian. They're carrying the name Baptist or whatever. Boy, they got the name. And they got that around. And they're proud of their name. They are, they're proud of the fact that they are 
Israel. They are the children of Israel. They've got the name. And boy, they're proud of that. But notice a little further here what it says about them here. Not only do they have the name, but he says this. He says, and are come forth out of the waters of Judah, which swear by the name of the Lord and make mention of the God of Israel. He said, boy, they, they, you, I tell you what you do. He said, you, you always talk about, boy, the Lord is this and the Lord's that and, and God's good and God's done this and, and uh, God is good and we are the children of God. And so he said, you're doing that. You're always talking about that. You always talk about the fact that you have the name. You always identify with the God of Israel. You always start talking about how that you, you call on the name of the Lord. But no, notice as he goes on a little further. But he said, not in truth, nor in righteousness. Notice what it says in verse number two. They call themselves the holy city. Well, they really are somebody. They, 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 they identify with God. They care the name. They swear by the name. They, they, they uh, call themselves holy. They are holy. They say they're holy. And he said, boy, you, you're, you're saying that, that, that you really are somebody. Notice it says a little further in verse 2, it says they stay. That means they support themselves upon God of Israel. They, they say, boy, we're really trusting God. We're relying on God. We're leaning on him in all those things. And he, they see their self that way. They're saying that God's delivered us. God's going to deliver us from the Babylonians. God's going to send us back to the land because we are somebody. Because we got the name. Because we know how to talk to talk. Because we, we go through the motions. Because we go through the rituals. And because we are special, God's going to deliver us. Now, that's how they see their self. But now it's interesting to note how God sees them. Notice how he sees them. I've already pointed out to you that he, he said that you don't call on me in truth and you don't call on me in righteousness. But he goes on and he goes a step further. And he says this about them as he, as he begins to identify them and he, as he uh, shares how he feels about them. He said, I've, I've told you all this from the beginning. He said, I told you what I was going to do. Even from the beginning, I've declared it. I've showed it unto you. I, I, I have I've made that known to you who I am. Why? Look at verse 3. I've declared the former things from the beginning, and they went forth out of my mouth. I showed them the day, and, thou did, and I did them suddenly, and they came to pass, because I knew that thou art an obstinate and, and thy, that thou art obstinate, and thy neck is iron sinew, and thy brow brass. He said, listen, I'll tell you what I did. He said, I told you ahead of time, while you were beat down and destroyed, while you were serving idols and, and you were chastened of, by Babylon and by the Assyrians, and while you were dragged out of your house and while you were taken to a foreign land and while you were humiliated, I told you I was going to do that, but I also told you I was going to bring you back because I know you. I know what you're like. Here's what he says about it. He said they were obstinate, obstinate. He said they have a, a neck like iron. They have a brow like brass. That word obstinate means hard. He is really referring to their heart. They are hard-hearted people. They, it's hard to get to. They've got stiff. And, and he, he identifies them. Here's, here's what he said. He said, you're hard people. You're hard people. He said, your neck's like iron. Whenever it talks about your neck, it talks about your will. They're stubborn people. They're going to do it their way. Or die trying. 
And, and they, they, it's their way or no way. And they are, they, they've got a, a neck of iron. And then he said their, their brow was like brass. Have you ever heard of anybody that said they were a brazen person? It has to do with arrogance and pride. He said, this people's got a hard heart. They have a stiff neck and they've got a prideful look. Even though he, they've been chastened, even though they've gone through all this and they're in bondage, God, God sent them into bondage and God's going to bring them out. Still, somehow or another, they want to take all the credit for it. Somehow or another, they want to say it's because, boy, we really are somebody. And he said this. He said, I have declared it beforehand from the beginning. He said, I showed it to you. And I, 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 I told you all about it. Why? He said this in verse 6. Thou hast, heard, hast thou heard? See all this? I will not and, and will not ye declare it. He said, you've, I've told you all this before, what I was going to do. And he said, you've not told anybody that this is the promise of God. You've not telling anybody this just happened because of the grace of God. You want to take credit for even your delivery. I have showed the new things from time, even hidden things that thou dost not know. They are now, uh, they are created now, not from the beginning, even before the day when thou heardest them not, lest thou shouldest say, behold, I knew it. In other words, he said, I, I didn't really let you know all of it because you'd have took credit for it. You'd, you'd have bragged about it. You'd have bragged about who you were and how good you were and how much you did and how much you prayed and how much you fasted. And, and God did all these things because you really are somebody. But notice what verse 8 says. He's, this is how he sees them. Yea, thou heardest not. Yea, thou knew not. Yea, from that time that thine ear was not open. For I knew that thou wouldest deal very treacherously and was called a transgressor from the womb. He said, I, I, reason I didn't do that, reason I didn't let you know about it, he said, because you took credit for it. He said, you, you, I, I know you. I know how you act. I know how you are. I know what you do. And I know, I know all those things about you. And he said, I, that's why I didn't do it. He said, you know what you'd have done? He said, you, you'd have said that your idols brought you out. And another passage of scripture down here. He said, uh, you, you, notice verse 5, I have even from the beginning, before it came to pass, I showed to thee, lest thou shouldest say, mine idols have done it, and my graven image and my molded image have commanded thee. He said, you'd have took credit for it, or you'd, you'd said some of the idols did that. Now, what an interesting scenario that God's dealing with the people here, and he's, he's chasing them, sitting in bondage, and he's bringing them back. And he said, even in that, you want to take the credit for it. Even in that, you want to say your idols did it. Even in that, you want to say that it's because that you're good, because you have the name, because you do this, that, and the other. But I'm interested to know today, just briefly, why does God bless us? Why does God bless us? You know what Paul said? Paul said, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. God doesn't bless us because we're good. God doesn't bless us because we're good. He said, not by the works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. So it doesn't have much to do with what we do. Why does God bless us? Why does God do what he does? Why does he do that? Well, I think there's some reasons here in this latter part of this chapter. I'll give it to you quickly. Why does God bless why does God choose to redeem fallen man? Why does God, why is he so good to us and why does he do that? Notice what he says, verse 9. For my name's sake will I defer mine anger 
and for my praise will I refrain from thee that I cut thee not off. He said, for my name's sake. Now, what's in a name? Used to, uh, people used to say this, he's, he's as good as his word. He's got a good name. You can depend on him. And you know what he said? He said, the reason I'm, I want to tell you something, Israel. The reason I'm bringing you back out of bondage is not because you're good. Not because you've prayed enough or you've fasted enough or not even because you've repented enough. But he said, I'm bringing you out to keep my word. I'm coming, I'm bringing you out for my own word's sake. Now, let me tell you something. You say, Brother Billy, what's that got to do with me? I want you to know this. There's not one of us in here deserve to go to heaven. Not one of us. Not one of us. And the devil will jump on your back and he'll say, listen, you've been sorry and, and, and you hadn't done right and this, that, and the other. Or, or he'll jump on you and he'll, he'll get you to say, well, I really am somebody and God will do something. Truth of the matter is, the only reason God does things is because for his own namesake. He wants to keep his word. He said, I've spoken it. I'll bring it to pass. Let me tell you what he said. He said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. If there's a man or woman, a boy or girl anywhere that's lost and on their way to hell and they know that and they know that they need to be saved. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, here's my word on it. He said, if you'll come to me, if you'll turn from your sins and come to me, if you'll call on me, I'll save you. And it doesn't have to do with, with how hard a prayer you pray. It doesn't have to do with promises you make down the road. It's based on his word on his word for his own name's sake. He, he, he would not let one of you die and go to hell if you wanted to be saved, if you genuinely came to him. And he would not let one person in because you know what the devil would do for all eternity? He'd run around hell and he said, na, 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 na. Here's one right here that you didn't save. They want you to save and you're not able to save him. God, you're, you're a weak God and you won't keep your word and you won't keep your promises. You said if they'd repent and if they'd call, you'd save them. And here's one in hell that did that and you didn't save him. Uh-uh, that ain't going to happen. Praise God. No, no, no. That won't ever happen because he's going to keep his word for his own namesake. He does what he does for his own glory because he's God and you can trust him. And it, listen, it really doesn't depend on me and you. It's on him, praise God. Whatever he does, he does for his own glory. And I'm glad he made us a part of it. But I'll tell you one thing, it's not hanging on me. It's not hanging on you. It's not hanging on anybody else. It's on him, praise God. He's just looking for some people who at genuine, sincerely will honor him and say, God, you're the one who's going to do it. And God, if you, don't, if you don't do it, it won't get done. But we're willing to be a part of your plan, whatever you want to do. He said, not only because of my own namesake, he said. He said, but for my praise will I do it. God's going to get the praise. Now, look, you know Israel. You look at Israel. Read the Bible. Look at them. Man, listen, they, they were something else. And for God to do what he's done for them, you know what it means? It's God. It's God who did that. And when you look at, you look at the servants of the Lord and you see what they are and what we are and what, and, and yet God does that. He gets all the praise and glory. I mean, he gets it all. Oh, listen, he goes on. He says this in verse number 11. Look at it. He said, for my own sake, even for my own sake, will I do it for I, for how should my name be polluted. I'm going to keep my word. I will not give my glory to another. Oh, God's going to do it. He made a promise. He made a promise to save. He made a covenant for the foundation of the world that he'd save anybody call on him. And on and on and on. Listen, he said, my Paul said, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It's as good as his name. 
He's as good as his name. He, he's promised to do that. He'll take care of, you know what David testified? He said, I've never seen this seed forsaken, no break, begging bread. He's as good as his name. You can trust him. He said, I'm going to do it because of that. But look down a little bit further, verse 14. Pick out of the middle of that verse this statement. The Lord hath loved him. I want to tell you why God does things for us. Because he loves us. He doesn't do it because we're good. He doesn't do it because of, of, of I, I, anything we are. But he does it because he loved us. Listen, before you ever knew him, he knew you. And the Bible said the only reason we love him now, we love him because he first loved us. I mean, we wouldn't love him now if he hadn't loved us. I mean, he loved us when we were unlovely. He loved us when we hated him, hated the Bible, hated everything about it. He loved us anyhow. And he set his love on us. And my dear friend, the only reason God ever blesses us is because of his name and because of his glory and because of his own name and because of his love for us. He loved us with an everlasting love. Let me tell you something about that love. That love is measureless. You can't measure it. No way to describe that love. You can't, you, say, you can't say God loves me this much. I've heard people say about the cross, and when he stretched out his hand, he said, that's how much God loves you. No, he loves you more than that. Loves you infinitely more. Loves you with an eternal love and an unchanging love. He loves us everlastingly. That means it never waxes, it never wanes, it never gets more, it never gets less. He loves you the same all the time. He loves you when you're good and he loves you when you're bad. Loves you all the time. He loves you before you was ever born. He loved you as much before you were born as he did when you were born. And he loves you right on through through the very end. He'll love you in eternity even more. And regardless of what you do in your life, his love's still going to be the same for you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And thank God it's a measureless love. But can I say this to you? It's a meritless love. Do you think he is? Look here. He just got through telling them they were treacherous. He said, y'all are a bunch of hard-headed people. Baptist people. Got iron neck, stiff, you stiff-necked people. Said you're full of pride, brazen, full of pride. And the only reason I'm doing this is because I love you. Thank God for that love. Oh, love that will not let me go. Thank God for that love. They loved us. Thank God for it. The devil's a liar. He's a liar. He'll tell you that, that when, you, when you're not as faithful as you ought to be, you hadn't done what you think you ought to do, boy, the devil will beat you down, beat you down, beat you down. And he'll say, God's mad at you and God don't love you. God don't care. He's a liar. The Lord does love you. He loves you. And he said, I, the only reason I bless you is because I love you. I love you for my own namesake, for my own praise, for my own glory. And because I love you, he said, I love you. Oh, listen, what wonderful benefits come with that great love and for him to bless us. What is his purpose in blessing us? And why does he do that? Look at verse number 17. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord thy God. Oh, thank God for that. I'm glad he's our Redeemer. I'm glad he's our God. And I thank the Lord for that. Boy, listen, that every time you say he's my redeemer, you're saying I'm somebody who needed rescue. I'm somebody who needed redeeming. I'm somebody, oh, listen, he said, I, I, I'm your redeemer. I'm your God. And he said this, he said, I will teach thee to profit. I don't want to teach thee to profit. And I'll lead thee in the way that thou shouldest go. Oh, you say, Brother Bill, what a blessing that he's a great God, that he'll teach us and he'll redeem us and he'll lead us and guide us. But now watch this. The thing is that when God saved you, he gave you everlasting life. And he said, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. But the problem is 
so many of God's people that he does love, that he's going to keep his promises to because of his name, and he's not going to let the devil get the victory because of, your because of his own glory. But the thing is, in this life particularly, you miss so many things as a believer. God's going to deliver them. God's going to bring them out, not because they were good, not because they were perfect, but because of his grace and mercy. But he makes things available to us. You can have more in your spiritual life. You can have more faith. You can have more love. You can have more victory. And we're just barely getting by. The Bible says in the judgment seat of Christ that all our works will be tested. That that's gold or silver, precious stones, receive a reward. Wood, hay, stubble gets burned up. And he said, there'll be some who'll be saved such as by fire. I like what one old preacher said years ago. They're going to get to go to heaven by the skin of their teeth. But there's more to it. I want you to look at verse 18. Oh, that thou hast hearkened to my commandments. God said, I, yeah, I'm chasing you. Yeah, I took you in by the Assyrians. I took you in by the Babylonians. I'm going to keep my word. I'm going to raise up the Persian Empire. I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to put you back in the land because of my namesake. But he said, oh, I wish you'd obeyed me. I wish you'd have been faithful to me. Why? Why? For his good? No, he's going to get glory. I mean, he's going to get his praise. He's going to get his glory. But they're the losers. And you're the losers. I'm the loser. If we don't do what God wants us to do. Notice what happens in verse 18. He said, if you just listened to me and obeyed my command, then had thy peace been like a river. Don't raise your hand. How many of you remember the day that you'd bowed at an old-fashioned altar or at, at, out in the back of the field or at your house somewhere, and you asked God to save you, and that peace of God that flooded, flooded your hole, and you had joy on speaker, and oh, what a wonderful time it was. And listen, you didn't care about nothing else. At that moment, your sins were gone, the burden was gone, and you were rejoicing praising God. Well, what a wonderful feeling. And wouldn't it have been a blessing if you could have kept that for all your Christian experience? But the tragedy is, that so many of God's people today, they have peace with God, but they do not have the peace of God. Yeah. They are wandering around in despair and defeatism and everything else because they've not obeyed God. And they don't have, oh, he said, if you would just listen to me, he said, your peace would have been like a river. Boy, listen, I, I, I think about that, that river flowing. Somebody sent me an email. I think it's Brother Bob List of a picture of Thomas Kincaid and a, and a, and a cabin in a mountain setting and a creek or a river or something flowing down in front of it. And it, it just, you could see the river flowing. Think about it. He said, he said, if you just listen to me, that peace that you felt the time you got saved, he said, it could have been like a river in all your life. Just going, going, joy unspeakable, full of glory, peace that passeth all understanding, joy unspeakable and full of glory. He said, you could have had that and you could have it. All you got to do is obey him. All you got to do is be yielded to the Spirit of God. Oh, listen, he loves you and he's going to take care of you. He's going to take you to heaven. You'll be in glory. But my dear friend, listen. This journey could be a whole lot better for you. He, it could be so much better if you'd yield to him, if you'd just surrender to him. He said, you'd, notice this, he said, you'd had peace like a river. 
And he said, your righteousness as the waves of the sea. He said, boy, you could have you had the touch of God on your life. You could have the presence and power of God in your life. Your, your life would have been a testimony. Verse number 19, he, he talks about the fruit that you could have seen. Thy seed also had been as the sand and thy offspring of the bowels like the gravel thereof. He said, if, you just, if you'd have just been obedient, he said, you've been a, a very fruitful people. Very fruitful people. And I don't understand how God does and what God does in different places. I, I know it's different everywhere else. But I'm looking at what God's done in the Philippines and what God's done in other places in the world and what God's done here. But God could have done so much more. So much more. The fruit could have been greater if we'd have just listened to him. Let him speak to our heart and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God and been obedient. He said, your fruit would have been great. And then he says this, his name should not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. He said, you could have averted some chastening, some judgment. I'm telling you something. God loves you. God loves you. And he, he loves you so much that he will chasten you. And there's going to be some tough times down the road for some of us because we will not yield. We got a stiff neck. We got a hard head. We got a prideful look. And he said, you're going to have spirit some chastening, not condemnation, but chastening. And he said, that's not fun. That is really not fun. I mean, when God takes you to the woodshed, boy, it's bad. Well, Brother Avery used to say when he disobeyed his mom and daddy, he said there was bloodshed in the woodshed. I don't like that. And sometimes you're going to pay an awful price for not being faithful to God because his chastenings are severe. And you don't want to go that route if you'd just been obedient to him, if you'd listened to him. Now listen, he said, I'm going to bring you out. He said, going out of Babylon, shouting, go out of the Chaldeans rejoicing, sing, praise God that you got the victory. Just go on and serve the Lord. And listen, he said, when they come out, he said, I'm going to give them water out of that rock that's refreshing for you. God will give you just exactly what you did. You say, Brother Bill, it's a dry land. It is dry land. But I'm glad for the rock. Yeah. Notice what in the article in front of that word rock, when you read verse 21, the rock. You remember when they went traveling through the out of bondage, out of Egypt, and traveling across that, and they got thirsty, and God said to Moses, strike the rock, and water came out of that rock. My dear friend, there's, there is refreshing. And he said, the refreshment of your journey is going to come out of the rock. If you'll just get close to Jesus, he said, the rest of your journey can be one of flowing of river of water. And what's happened so far in your Christian experience doesn't have to be what's the rest of your life. Your past does not determine your future. And right now, he said, you can come out with singing. Right now, you can come out rejoicing. Come out here with rivers of water flowing. If you'll just obey, obey me. Obey me. Now, he always gives us an alternative. He said, look unto me and live. What happens if you don't look? You die. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What happens if you don't call? You die and go to hell. For the saints of God, what happens if you listen and obedient and obey him and sense to the spirit of God through the word of God and through the Holy Spirit of God speaking to your heart? And when you're obedient to him, comes peace, comes blessing, comes fruitfulness. All of those things come. It comes refreshing out of the rock. But look at the last statement. And he said, there is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. 
That is those who, who don't want to serve him, those who don't want to love him, those who will not trust him. There'll be no peace. You can't find it anywhere in this world. There's no peace outside him. Oh, he said to Israel, if you'd have just listened to me, if you just obeyed me, you'd have peace like a river. Peace like a river. That's a good little song, isn't it? Peace like a river. That's an old song. Peace like a river. God can give you that peace of God that pass all understanding. If you'll obey him, if you'll be yielded to him, surrender to him, be in his plan. Oh, if you trusted him, your Savior and Lord, and you know that you've been born again, the Spirit of God lives inside of you, heaven's your home. You'll end up there. But oh, you can have a better journey. You can have a more prosperous journey, a blessed journey. If you'll just learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God, let him have, a, have your life control it. Will you bow with me for prayer? Look at Israel. Look at what they could have had. Look at what they could have done. Oh, God gets all the glory. I mean, thank God he brought them through everything, all of history. They're still a nation. Oh, God's been good to Israel. But I've been reading through the book of Kings lately. And I see where there's a king who rises and did that which is evil in the sight of the Lord. And God judged him. And he was cut off. And there's another one who said, and he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. And he reigned for many years. I'm telling you right now, God, God has a plan. God's going to get glory. And he does it all because of his namesake, because of his own glory, to keep his word, and because he loves us. But you and I can have an abundant life. I'm just wondering this morning if you're experiencing that. I wonder, do you have peace like a river flooding through your soul? I, I wonder this morning... Is your righteousness rolling like waves of the sea? Are you fellowshipping with him? And are you seeing fruit in your life? You can have it. But you'll not find it anywhere else, even as a believer. Israel tried it. Solomon tried it. Boy, they had good testimonies that you can't find it outside of him. Just total surrender to him. We get to thinking we know what will make us happy, and that never makes us happy. It's yielded to Him, surrendered to Him. And that's individual thing. I cannot tell you what you're supposed to be doing for the Lord. There's some basic things, of course, in the Word of God. But I'm just saying to you, you need to learn to hear His voice. And I'm confident if the Holy Ghost of God's in you, He's spoken to you, speaking to you now. And he's reminded you of something in your heart and life that ought not to be there. Some may have to pray what David prayed. Lord, search my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. You're living in a dark day. And wicked men will wax worse and worse. Perilous times are coming, even more than now. And if you're going to have any peace... You will not find it at Wall Street. You won't find it anywhere else. It'll be in the Lord.